Hi, this is Dov Barron. I'm an international leadership expert and best-selling author. And here's what I want you to know about Training Unleashed. Today on the episode, dig into starting with you first. There is no training that anybody's going to respond to that isn't coming from an authentic leader. Find out who you are and you'll transform your leadership. Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting edition of Training Unleashed. I am actually thrilled today because our guest is amazing. I've been on his podcast twice. Uh, he is one of the leading podcasters in the world. Um, and in addition to that, he is also an expert in leadership. He's an expert in understanding the next generations. I can guarantee you in this episode, you're going to leave with lots of tidbits and ideas and things that you can take with you. His name is Dove Barron, and uh, it's a true pleasure. Just give us everyone just a quick little insight to your media, what do you call it, palace. Sure. Thank you, Evan. I appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me on. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to serve. Um, you can find it all. There's, I am, if you Google D-O-V-B-A-R-O-N.com, uh, Dove Barron, not .com, you'll find me everywhere. I'm all over, but uh, of course... I have a main website, which is fullmontyleadership.com. You can also find me on YouTube, which is Dove Baron Full Monty Leadership. Uh, there's over 600 videos in there. Leadership and Loyalty Tips for Executives is my podcast. As you said, number one podcast in the world for Fortune 500 listeners. I'm on Roku TV, where we have our own channel on there, Dove Baron Leadership. You can find us on Roku TV. Uh, you can also find us on other channels on Roku which is Smartphone Media and Binge TV. You can also find us on your, on radio stations across the United States every Monday and Thursday on 24-7 radio. Um, that's just a, a flavoring. You can find me on Entrepreneur Magazine, where I write for Thrive Global and a bunch of other great places. So I, I, I'm not hard to find, and you can just Google me, email me, <laughs> and you can also check me out on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and of course, Instagram. I mean, all those places too. <laughs> I don't know how you have time for anything other than that. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and by the way, I, I, I listen regularly to his, uh, his podcasts and uh, he's a great interviewer. Um, so we're going to get started with that first question. Where do you start? So share, share that for our training professionals. Where do they start? Well, uh, as you know, Evan, I've never been short on controversy, and here's where you start when it comes to leadership and in the context of training, and that is training sucks, and it's a complete waste of time unless we deal with the leadership first, because here's the thing. Nobody's going to really pay attention to your training unless you are walking the talk. Integrity is everything. Training must be from an integral, authentic leader. You gotta start there. And that's the self-check first. And by the way, if you think you're integral and you think you're authentic, that's great. Now go check with other people. And check with people who are not sick authentic who will actually tell you the truth. Because that's something we all need to be great leaders. 
you know, you, you challenged me to, to ask you questions and not worry about it. When you've checked with people, what are the most interesting things you've heard about people say about you? Uh, most interesting things? Interesting to me? I don't know. Yeah, uh, but I mean like that, like if ahas, that somebody said something to you and you went, wow, I didn't realize that. Um, that's, a, that's a good question, actually. Um, one of the things is that um, very often the way I'm perceived versus the way I am is different. If you take a look at this face, it looks like somebody punched it a couple of times, or I might, or I might be the one punching somebody because I was a boxer, I was a martial artist, and I've been a weight a bodybuilder for many years. And I think I look tough, and I'm certainly assertive. I'm very assertive, but I'm not aggressive, and I'm very kind and loving. And when people get to know me, they're like, "Oh my goodness, you're so heart and soul centered." I didn't expect that. And for me, that's always a surprise when I hear that because that is who I am. It's how I live. But the visage is different than the sure. truth. And I think that people have got to get that. Even though I'm going to be direct, as one of my very uh, long-term clients used to say to me, um, his nickname for me was Sergeant Major Love. Right? So I'm like fierce about being like, this is what we need to get done, but it's always done with a ton of love and caring and compassion. Well, I, I think your point that you made was just proven, which is that what you see yourself as isn't necessarily what other people see yourself as. Absolutely. And try to understand that. I had a similar thing, I think, where people saw me as tougher than I am. Mm. And, you know, that negatively impacted people's willingness to be vulnerable and things of that nature in conversations. So, okay. And I think we have to start there. Let's, let's just start there, Evan, because this is the first thing I want everybody to understand. Leaders must lead. What does that mean? Don't ask them to do what you're not willing to do first. So if you want people to be vulnerable when you do trainings, start off by being vulnerable. And by the way, not with some crap you made up or something that you think will impress, but something that is genuinely uncomfortable to share and then share your discomfort as sharing it. And that could be something that happened this morning. It could have been the fact that you barked at your kids when your kids hadn't done anything really wrong, but you were tired. And simply sharing that, it could be something massive, like you're an alcoholic and you're in recovery. It could be something like you had a terrible childhood. It could simply be that you barked at your children. But that genuine vulnerability transforms the training. People will respond dynamically different to you if you start there. That is something I hear all the time. I really thought, Dove, you were going to be, you know, it was going to be real tough with you, but I open, I found myself opening up right away, and I'd always say, why? Well, because you opened up right away. You were the first. That's key. So thank you for bringing that up, Evan, because I think that's something everybody who's in the training space has to get first. Start, be a leader. Leaders go first. Yeah. And I want to take a moment and commend our listeners because, to me, if you're in training, you need to be growing yourself, right? You need to be learning yourself. And, Absolutely. You know, how can you expect other people to learn if you're not yourself a dedicated learner? So everyone here listening is obviously that. Okay. Many years so, ago, I had many years ago, I had somebody I was working with, and she said that uh, she, she was telling me about her marriage, and I said it'd be really good if your husband could come in. She goes, "Oh, he won't come in." I said, "Why not?" She goes, "He's a psychologist." I said, "And." <laughs> and she said, well, he doesn't need it. 
Oh, I see. There's the problem with your marriage. <laughs> you do, if you're not buying what it is you're selling, get out of the business. Yeah. It, it, you know, I, you know, we could talk about this and I don't want to spend too much time here, but you know, people, you know, companies, people green and growing, ripe and rotting. And when you get to, when you get to that point where you don't need any more, I know it. I've been doing this for years. Don't, you know, then, then that's, that's, you know, why do companies fail? But mm -hmm. let, let's get back to leadership and yeah. talk about, okay, I've done that gut check and I, I have determined I want to be a better leader. What advice would you give people? Number one, you have to start with self-knowledge. I know that there's all kinds of tactical and strategic things to, to understand, particularly for whatever position you're in. And that's fine. You should do that. And you should bring that up to, up to, up to the high, highest possible bar you can. But here's the thing. that Leadership starts with self. We must lead ourselves. And what that means is we've got to work on self-knowledge. And, self, and so here's the thing. The self-awareness, then the self-knowledge. So here's the thing. So people go, well, people say, well, you know, I know myself. I know I'm a bit of an ass, but no, no, that's not knowing yourself. <laughs> that's sticking a label on yourself. So you've got to have the self-knowledge, but you've got to have the willingness to do the self-discovery work, to be self-aware, to say, well, hold on a second. Where does that come from? What's driving that? And look at those deeper levels. And of course, that leads us into developing your emotional intelligence. And developing your emotional intelligence, one of the challenges with this is, uh, and maybe many of the people here are watching this who are trainers in, in emotional intelligence. And here's the thing I want to tell you. You've got to grasp this. Emotional intelligence is not a tool for others. It is a tool for self first, then for others. Walk your talk. Apply it to yourself. Find out what's driving you so that you're not projecting nonsense onto other people. Every tool is also a weapon. Be careful not to use these tools as weapons. Start with yourself. Develop your emotional intelligence. Develop your self-awareness. Develop your self-knowledge. That will change everything. I like that. I like I like that a lot. Um, just a, a slight shift here, but you wrote a book called Fiercely Loyal. I did. And, you know, one of the issues that I think in training companies are that the training department or HR department, whatever department you're part of, doesn't really get the fact that they are really a standalone business within the business, that they need to Very advocate helpful. for themselves etc. And that when they start shifting and saying, okay, you know, we have objectives, but we have to enroll people in the vision. We have to enroll people in supporting what we're doing. We have to enroll people into funding our efforts. And maybe you could try to take some of the key concepts and firstly loyal and apply that. If you were, you know, in a training department, how you could create fiercely loyal internal customers within your business? You know, that is a great question and a really a great point that I think so often is missed. I've often, often see that the most passive member of the C-suite is the head of HR. And that's a really sad thing for me that they've become very often the buffer for the legal department. And that's not the position of HR. You, you nailed it. The position of HR is to, to sell the vision based on a set of values, based on a driving purpose. 
And this is vitally important. So when you're talking about standing up and fighting for HR, you've got to know, first of all, what is the purpose of our organization? Now, now the obvious answer is profit. Well, that's actually not the purpose. That's the profit. And of course, you need profit to run a business. But purpose-driven organizations are 1,200% more profitable. That's not my opinion. This is the S&P 500. 1,200% more profitable than non-purpose-driven organizations. So as HR, if you're heading HR, you need to go and say, well, what is our purpose? And probably somebody will point to the mission statement on the wall, that's not your purpose. That's a mission. It was contrived. Purpose is deeply emotionally connected to the founders, to the leaders, and to everybody involved, and we emotionally connect to it. And as I wrote about in Fiercely Loyal, millennials, and that's who you're going to be employing, because in case you don't know, Today, as we record this in, in uh, 2019, millennials are 39 years old at the eldest. They're not kids. We think of them as kids. They're not. So these are already aspiring leaders. You may be a, an older millennial as you listen to this. Millennials, top of their list for why they want to work somewhere is it's meaningful work. Well, what does meaningful work mean? It means it's purpose-driven. You gotta get connected to that because if I'm a millennial and I haven't quite found my purpose, and there's no reason why most millennials would, then I'm looking to attach meaning to something. And that is the purpose of this organization. And very quickly, I check whether there's an alignment or not. And that's why millennials will literally get up and walk away at lunchtime. You know, when we started in the workforce, we went, oh, I'll stick it out for three, six, 12 months. I'll see how it is. The millennials go, I'll stick it out till lunch. And then I'm walking, and sometimes not even that long. So you've got to be purpose-driven. Well, I, I love that. In fact, when I work with a lot of my clients, we work on purpose statements. Absolutely. Uh, because there's a difference between a mission and purpose and a vision. Absolutely. And most of the time, even if the companies have one, no one knows it. It's left. It's, you know, it, you know it's, it's, it's designed actually more like a marketing thing to put on your website. And uh, yeah. I love asking, I do, you know, interview people and I'll say, describe the company's vision in your own words. And I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, sad, so, isn't it? I mean, don't you find that sad? I do. I find that sad. I find it sad that, you know, the, the companies that I go and work for, I can ask everybody from the receptionist all the way through the CEO. And they all know what the purpose of the company is because they have an emotional connection to it. And, and the problem is people try to do it as a rational process. It doesn't work. We, human beings, remember everything because there's an emotional attachment to it. Anything you don't remember is because of a lack of emotional attachment. Everything you do remember is because you have an emotional attachment to it. So if you leave out the emotional piece in a purpose statement, People won't remember it. They're not connected to it. You yeah. remember your wife because you're emotionally connected to her. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, it's interesting when you talk about that because, you know, there are people that don't return emails in companies. There are people that do not return phone calls in companies. And I always say, well, it's always a matter of import. You've if got your it. wife calls you, are you going to return it? Some people will say no. But most, people, <laughs> most people are going to say yes. And so why? Because your wife's important enough. Your you kid, maybe even a better example, because mm -hmm. they're important enough. And it's incumbent on people in the training department to make what you're doing important enough. And it's not just, hey, we're doing it. You should use it because we're good people. 
It's what are, what's in it for the person? What's in it for the learner? What are they going to gain? The why, you know, which is similar, very similar to purpose. Yeah, and you see, and you just pointed out something there that that so often we forget. I mean, we'd all like to think that we're all holier than now and better than all that, but the truth of the matter is, the psychological driver of human beings is to look at what's in it for me. And the wonderful thing about social media that I love about this social media world we live in, there are a couple of things I don't like about it, but, but one of the things I love about it is it's trained us all to pay attention to the fact that if you don't get emo- people emotionally invested quickly by seeing what's in it for them, they will turn away. If you start off with a bunch of statistics that nobody gives a hoop about, then they don't care. But if you yeah. bring them to to themselves, so here we've got a training to help you with leadership. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. But if you if you say where, what would it mean to you to overcome this greatest struggle that you have in leadership, and you name what that is, and because you've asked them, they will okay. I want to know because that's something they care about, not something in your agenda. And so often as leaders, we go in with our agenda rather than theirs. And we've got to shift that in the training world enormously, enormously. You, you said something, and I want to highlight it because I think it would be easy for people not to get this nuance. But this is a big part of the word engagement with an eye. You ask them what their biggest problem is. They tell you. If you tell them what their biggest problem is, even if you're dead right, they're not going to believe it as if they told you. So you ask them what their biggest problem is, and you ask them, just like you said, how would, much would this be worth to you? How would this change your life if you had these leadership skills that you say you're, that you're missing? Uh, Absolutely. And that's one of the things I loved about your book and your message. You know, and you and I talked about this on my show. I had a client um, who you know, had, had read Fiercely Loyal and realized that you know, they needed certain things and then brought me in because it wasn't working. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. <laughs> Fortunately, it was a local company. So they brought me in and they're like, this isn't working. I said, like, okay, so tell me what you've done. Well, you know, we're trying to get our people engaged because the work is about getting people emotionally engaged and they're not engaged. Okay, so tell me what you're doing. Well, we've put a cappuccino machine in the room. We've got a foosball machine in there now. Uh, we've got some bean bags. We tell them they can, they can come and sit in this sort of lounge area. Nobody's going to restrict them in that. They can come, they can, you know, and then they can go back to work when they're ready. And I said, so what's happening? He goes, nobody's using it. I understand. And so you think it's not working, right? Yep, it's not working. No, there's nothing wrong with the space. That's not what's working. Number one, did you ask them whether they wanted a cappuccino machine? No. Did you ask them whether they wanted a foosball machine? No. Did you ask them whether they wanted cushions, uh, bean bags? No. Um, Do you go sit in that room? No. So there's no permission because you don't do it, and you never ask them. Even if every one of them would have checked those boxes saying, yes, I would want all that, but you didn't ask them. So it's like, mm, it, I can't do it. Well, there's because another thing too. Us to rebel, we don't want to go. We don't want to be told. We want to, we want to be engaged. We want to feel like we have importance. We want to feel like our voice matters. So that's why we want to go to that. But you have to give permission. Otherwise, it's the same nonsense we've had since the 90s, which is this open door policy, which is absolute rubbish. There's no such thing as an open door policy because there's a force field there. They're not going to cross it because there's this hierarchy and it's called you write the check and I could get fired. So I'm not walking and you can take the door off the hinges. It won't matter. 
This is the thing. We've got to engage people by bringing them in. And this is what I love about your work is you're asking them, not telling them. Yeah, it's really important. And, you know, I, I find that walking around and, and talking to people and, and asking them what they need from training and going on the floor, if it's a factory or whatever it is you're doing. And, you know, at Toral, I mean, that's a big part when we scope out work is you bring, hey, bring the learners in. Don't, don't talk about what you think they need to learn. Find out what they need to learn, how they should learn it. I want to shift gears here for a second because sure. I know you're a world-class consultant. I know you're a professional speaker, and you help, you help people change companies. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. That I can ask you anything. I just you, anything you at all. Right at the end, describe how you work because our in in training we're problem solvers, right? We need to all know how to think like a consultant. How when we talk yes. to somebody in a different department to understand what their real problems are and how to solve them. So tell us the secret sauce of being a great consultant and how you work with your clients. Uh, for me, it's on two levels. The first is I want to find out what's emotionally driving that individual or that company. So that's very deep work that we do that I don't know of any other company does at that depth, that we really go to the emotional depth of what's driving people. Because what people think is driving them is not what's driving them. And the analogy I give all the time is if you're married doesn't matter whether you're male or female, hetero or homosexual or whatever it is you are. If you're in a long-term relationship, you have at some point had the experience of having a fight with your partner and going, what the hell are we fighting about? We've all had the experience. Yeah. Like, right? Because you're not fighting about what you're fighting about. There's an undercurrent. And any conflict inside of your organization, there's an undercurrent. Until you find that psychological driver, you will be, you'll be fixing symptoms rather than dealing with problems. And that's what we do. The next thing around that is, which ties to it perfectly, which is we call breaching the bias. And so I was working with a company recently, and one of the executives was kind of pissy with me um, because I was being brought in, and he didn't like that. Okay, that's fine. I understand. And so I said, uh, so he he asked me, he said, uh, uh, have you ever run a Fortune 500 company? I said, absolutely not. He goes, "Uh, do you have a billion dollars? Because this is a multi-billion dollar organization. I said, absolutely not. And he says, then why why should we pay you your fees? And you are not cheap. Uh, Why should we pay you your fees? And why should we listen to you? I go, because I've never run a Fortune 1000 company and because I don't have a billion dollars. I can see what you can't see. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, you have a natural bias. That's not wrong. It's just a problem inside of a thing. And he says, well, what do you mean? I said, do you, would you hold Richard Branson in high esteem? He said, yeah. I said, do you know why the company's called Virgin? There's several reasons, but one of the reasons is because he understood he needed a virgin mentality towards each industry he went into. He understood he needed to not take the bias in. And when Branson first started out becoming big, everybody hated him. And the reason they hated him is because he would fire everybody in a company he took over because he didn't want their bias. And you've got to be able to breach your own bias. So you've got to find your own psychological drivers and then breach the bias. And, And they said, well, what is my bias? You call it the price of doing business. 
you say things like, well, you know, in this business, we've got to deal with the FDA. That's the price of doing business. And I said, what if the price is wrong? They go, what do you mean? We can't get around the FDA. No, but you're looking at it in a way that's got your bias involved in it. Get your bias out of the way and everything changes. Yeah. I, I really, I, I like those. Those are, those are very good insights. We're so glad you're listening to this episode of Training Unleashed, brought to you by Tortal Training. The difference between Tortal Training and other online training companies is we're primarily a training company with technology rather than a technology company that does training. Want to find out more? Just go to Tortal.net. That's T-O-R-T-A-L, Tortal.net. Let's talk a little deeper about the emotional intelligence part because I totally concur with you that emotional intelligence is something, A, most people don't think about, that I've done a lot of work on my emotional intelligence. I've done tons of personal development for myself, uh, and I've enjoyed it a lot. But I think within an organization, if you can train people and staff to be more self-aware, more able to observe others and understand where they are, because a lot of people are callous to a little degree of who they're speaking to and, you know, what's on their plate. How busy are they? What's going on in their world, um, et cetera. You know, what recommendations would you give for people to, to increase the, the knowledge base and emotional intelligence within the organizations they're, they're supporting? Uh, the number one clue I would give anybody and everybody is, is actually completely aligned with your work. And that is ask, don't tell. It's that simple. Don't bother telling people, ask them. Your emotional intelligence will be way better if you simply start asking because every statement you have has a presumption in it. And the only way to get rid of the presumption is to ask a question. So this is a complete screw up. Why did you screw this up is not the question I'm talking about. (laughs) What I'm talking about is, you know, When I gave this project to you, I had something in mind, and clearly I must have miscommunicated that because it's not the outcome that I had. Please tell me what you believe it was that I was asking for. Where did I go wrong in communicating to you that because it's not the outcome? And and how can I, and this is key, how can I communicate with you in a specific way that works for you? Because emotional intelligence is, and this is what everybody misses emotional intelligence is subjective it's not oh here's the cookie cutter you got to learn the skills but you got to learn to apply them to the individual you see let me give you a simple example if you go home and i if i say to you right now not you necessarily evan but anybody do you love your partner you're likely to say yes and i say how do you how does your partner know and you go, well, I, I tell her or him every day. Fantastic. Now I go ask your partner, does your partner love you? I, 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 can't think, I think so. How come you only think so and you're not certain? Well, he, she is always telling me, but, you know, I, I, they're not very physically affectionate. So you've missed. You've done what you assumed is the right thing, but you haven't asked. Do you feel loved, honey? How can I make you feel more loved, honey? Now let's shift that into the work environment. Do you feel appreciated? Do you feel valued? 
How can I make sure that you recognize how valuable you are to us, how much we appreciate you? How, how can we recognize you in a way you want? Because some people want to be recognized from a big stage and they want everybody to cheer. And some people want a quiet little talk in your office to, and a pat on the back and a shake of the hand. Some people want a hug. Some people want a little tiny note. Some people want tickets to the game. Some people want tickets to the ballet. And if you don't pay attention to the emotional intelligence of the subjectivity of that individual, you can end up offending them. And I gave an example of that in Fiercely Loyal, where I talked about a company out of Seattle, a software company out of Seattle, who were delighted with the sales team and how well they'd done. And they bought everybody's season tickets to the Seahawks. And everybody was delighted. And then one night, they're in a pub. And one of the guys is talking to the other guy. He's like, oh, isn't this awesome? And he's looking over the other guy's head, watching the Seahawks game, saying, this is awesome. We've got these tickets. We get to see them every game now. Every home game got these fantastic seats. Isn't that awesome? And the guy he's talking to, who is not watching the screen, goes, yeah, it's okay. He goes, what's your problem? This is a great gift. He goes, I hate football. Nobody bothered to ask him, do you like football? Yeah. Nobody asked him, well, maybe you'd prefer theater or the ballet or whatever it is. This assumption of recognition doesn't work. Emotional intelligence, you have to get this, is subjective. And the only way to find it out is to become masterful, masterful at asking questions that open people up. And the first step of that is vulnerability of self. I love that. I love that. And... I, you know, it's easy to say, but it's hard, it's hard for people to become vulnerable and to share. I think it's hard because our generation learned this crap message, which is vulnerability is weakness. And as I talked about in Fiercely Loyal, vulnerability is your greatest strength as a leader, particularly if you're leading millennials. If you don't go in with vulnerability, they will not trust you. If you're trying to be on the pedestal, trying to be perfect, they won't trust you. It's only in your vulnerability that you'll ever get their trust. Yeah, I totally, totally uh, agree with you. In fact, I think we're perhaps as in sync as any guest I've ever had in terms of ideology. <laughs> uh, so I know you have a special offer for everyone, and then you've got your, your one tip. Um, so let's, uh, let's hear about your special offer. Well, you know, the simplicity of it is this. I'd like to give you a gift. And if you go to fullmontyleadership.com, that's my main website, Full Monty, like the movie, fullmontyleadership.com forward slash gift, G-I-F-T. If you go there, uh, I'm going to give you access to a couple of my eBooks and maybe you'll even be able to get one for free. There you'll also be able to find out about my podcast and other things. Uh, but there you'll actually get one of the eBooks. I would recommend, uh, it's going to go away. So I would recommend that you get a hold of one red thread. Uh, that's an ebook um, that is now being expanded and extended into a physical book and be out later this year. But that book will give you the tools, the skills for you to be able to find your purpose. It's going to ask you some uncomfortable questions. Be aware of that. I'm telling you up front. It's going to ask you some uncomfortable questions. You don't have to share the answers with anybody. But by answering those questions, you'll be able to get in touch with the part of you that contains your deep greatness, the part of you that makes you a real leader, the part of you, it will take courage. But when you do it, that vulnerability with yourself will so empower you to really serve others at a magnificent level. So I want you to go to fullmontyleadership.com forward slash gift. Okay. 
I know I asked the one thing, but I'm, I've got two two other questions I got to quick ask you. Sure. Let's start with what is your purpose? Ah, so <clears throat> when we do purpose work with individuals, we explain that you have two. You have what's called an external purpose and an internal purpose. Your external purpose is the one you tell the world about, and it really is framed in a way that the world can understand it. Your internal purpose is for you, and it should, sh- it should scare the bejesus out of you. It really should scare you because it will feel too big. It yeah. will feel potentially egoic. Like, oh my so God. It's sort of like a BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal. But it's not a goal. Right. It's a way of living. Uh, it's a way, and so it, it, it informs every decision I make. It informs every action I take. It informs every interview I'm on. It informs everything. But it scares the crap out of me to, to say it out loud uh, because it's so big and it could be misconceived as egoic, e- egotistical, but it's, there's nothing. It's actually the opposite of ego. So my external purpose is my external purpose is I am here to serve leaders in finding their purpose so they can live a life of deep fulfillment and assist others in living from a place of integrity with fulfillment and love. That's the external. Yes. The result of that is massive success usually and it transformational, right? That's the external. The internal one is mine, but I'll tell it you if you want to know it. You know, you said I could ask you anything. You can. And, uh, and I think it would be good for people to see the difference. So if you okay. don't so the, the internal purpose is very simple. It's usually a very simple statement. And as I said, it's uncomfortable to say because I'm a father to men. That's what it is. I am a father to men. I am a, and now it's not limited to men, so please understand that, but that is the short statement of it. And I am a father to men, to men who are younger than me, who are older than me, and who are around my age. But then you have to look at, and I have the meaning for me, um, what father means. And father is not obviously <laughs> procreating across the world. It's actually about looking at what it is that we need that we're too afraid to ask for as men. And I give that to men. And so the men who I work with, one of the things they know with their heart and their soul is this. I see you. Wow. That's what we all need. That's cool. To show you how close we are and how we think, my, my internal purpose is to judge myself by the positive impacts I have on others and to be there for others and to, to share and give and be generous and, and, and not hold back. And my external purpose is to help the world become a better place through engagement and understanding how that deeper connection makes a difference. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. And um, I, you know, it's it's interesting when you said I have two, because I'm thinking to myself, I know I have two, but <laughs> I've never heard anyone else describe having two. Um, so that's really cool. The next question before we get to the one thing, the full Monty, where'd that name come from? I mean, I know the I know the <laughs> the movie, the book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, um, as you know, I came to North America from Australia. Um, but I was born in the UK and lived, I've been away for f- more than 40 years, but I was born there. Um, and it, as you know, in the movie, full Monty means to strip naked. Um, but 
in the UK, full Monty doesn't just mean that. It means nothing held back. So when you give the full Monty, you give it everything, right? So yeah. you might, you might, you, you know, you're going to the, the pizza shop in the UK and they say, what do you want? And he goes, go give me the full Monty. And it means everything, right? So full Monty leadership is both everything and nothing. And that's what I love about that statement. It's like strip it down to nothing. Let's, let's get rid of all the bias that is in there, all the falseness, all the, all the um, titles and status cool. and all that. Let's just tear it away at one end. And at the other end, let's, let's provide everything you could possibly need from the, from the most shallow to the most profoundly deep so that you can become the amazing leader that you're capable of being. Wow. That's really Thank you for cool. asking. As I said at the beginning, lots of great tidbits and lots of great insight. Uh, okay, what's your one thing? What's your one? If I had to give you one tip, what would that one tip be? My one tip is this, is that you, if you really want to lead, I mean, profoundly, you want to train others um, from a place of deeply authentic leadership, then you, you, I beg you, please go on the internal journey to find your purpose. And here's the tip. And you might not like this, but it's still a powerful tip. Your purpose does not exist in your pleasure. Your purpose does not exist in your passion. Your purpose is hidden in your pain. When you avoid your pain, you actually avoid living in full blown purpose. Find your purpose. One red thread will help you find your purpose. That will transform everything about how you lead and how you train. That is fantastic. That is fantastic. Thank you so much for being a guest. And thanks, listeners, for taking the time. Really appreciate it. And everyone have a fantastic day. Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure and an honor. This has been Training Unleashed, but it doesn't stop here. Just go to trainingunleashed.net to subscribe to the show. That way, you'll never miss an episode. And you'll be well on your way to delivering training programs that are off the chain. We'll talk to you next time on Training Unleashed. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>